everyone. Welcome to the Laying Foundations Podcast. This is your co-host, Davis Hambrick. Joining alongside me today is Walker Lott. What's up, Walker? What's up, Mr. Davis? How are you? Good, man. I heard uh, you got to cook some chili. Yeah, for people that don't know, Walker travels 365, 24-7, every single day. He doesn't have a bed. <laughs> he never is home. And so, I think I was home three times in August. So th- <laughs> this, this past Sunday now, to, uh, yesterday... He has cooked chili, and I haven't heard him cook a meal in about three months. So, oh, anyway. super awesome! I did hotel chili. I got a little That's burner right. in here. I got a little pot. It turned out pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. Go. I'm a big fan. But yeah, man. No, today we uh we had an awesome guest. His name is Josh Diaz. Uh, he is a windows and door salesman for Pella. Uh, originally from Seattle. I'm giving his whole life story. Originally from Seattle, moved down to Nashville. Uh, and dude's awesome. He truly values his craft. You can tell that he actually works at it. We talk a lot about tradesmen and women and how they can get better at what they do, how they can uh, work on it day in and day out. They can become experts in it. And he does that with sales and does that with, with his day job. And, you know, so how can we apply that to everything that we do on a daily basis, being superintendents and project managers and whatever position you are, uh, Davis, what you think about it? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty interesting. What what's like the DNA of being successful, really, and not just successful, but just showing up, being your best, giving it your best effort. And really, you could have xed out my question there at the end because literally, he just kind of rephrased what we talked about through the whole mm-hmm. podcast. So I'm not going to mention it. it, but um, man, just a, a great guy has a good heart. Um, it was really cool just getting to meet him and hear his story, where he's at today, and um, just enjoyed our time together. It was pretty cool. No doubt. Well, guys, without further ado, Josh Diaz. Josh, welcome to the show, man. Super excited to have you on. Excited to get to learn your story. I think you are the first window guy we've had and the first person from Seattle. Uh, so that's super exciting. Get to learn a little bit different area of construction uh, that we haven't Walker, had. Walker, you're before. getting better at saying the first and not making sure it was the second. We've had a few of those, I had, Josh. We had a few of those. You're the first. Oh, wait. No, I can't say that. No, so <laughs> I have to think back. We've had a lot of people. So it's like, what do you do? Oh, yeah. No, but Josh, to start off with, welcome to the show. Uh, to begin, who are you? What do you do? And where are you from? Awesome. Well, hey, I, I really appreciate you guys accepting, uh, you know, my request to, to join the show. Uh, saw your content pop up on LinkedIn and I was like, hey, I got I to gotta get to know these guys and see if I can't, uh, you know, rub elbows and, and get in your world and, and cross paths. So uh, appreciate the work that you guys are doing yeah. and, and, and let me join in on it for a brief period of time. Um, but that being said, yeah, my name is Josh Diaz. I'm originally from Seattle, Washington. Um, you know, in today's day and age, I'm a a Pella windows and doors salesman. I'm a contractor's rep. Um, you know, so my book of business, uh, you know, we have a a sales software where we have hundreds and hundreds of of builders assigned to our name, you know, all the way down to, you know, guys doing remodels, little projects here and there up to multi-million dollar, uh, custom single family homes or spec builders who are building maybe a dozen a year. But again, we're, we're more of a premium product. So a lot of times our clients are on the higher end of the market. They might, might build a dozen, but hey, these are million, $2 million homes. So it's, it, they're, they're nice projects. And um, it's, it's kind of a newer gig for me. You know, I'm, I'm less than a year into it. I started uh, last December um, after a, a big life transition. So like, like you mentioned, and like we talked about, before hit and go, I'm, I'm originally from Seattle, Washington, uh, a native there, you know, grew up, went to school, um, was not much of a trades construction guy, um, had a little bit of it in my family. You know, my dad had, um, 
kind of had some careers and other things, but uh, later in life kind of went back to his trade skills and made a living uh, doing some small maintenance and you know, kind of handyman type projects. Right. And uh, really my bro- my older brother, Victor, was the one who got that gene. You know, he, he, he just picked up that, those mechanical skills and that mindset and was able to start making a living in the trades uh, right after high school. So he basically took over my dad's book of business, um, you know, the, the sole proprietor handyman type uh, services and, and, and ran with it. Cool. And, and grew a pretty good reputation in that greater Seattle area. And, um, you know, I had gone off to do other things. I went to school, um, short time in the military reserve, less than a, a couple of years. And, and as I was rounding out that military time, um, we, he and I had been talking and we thought, hey, if we combine your trade skills with, you know, maybe my more administrative type skills, uh, you know, we, we might be able to grow that business. And uh, so we, we did that for four years. And he and I went cool. into business together. And, and it was a, it was a great four years, lots of ups and downs and lessons learned, but that was really, um, you know, I'd say a big exposure to the world of, of trades and, and the skilled trades and construction services and things like that. So, um, you know, spun that off basically uh, into the, the, the sales rep position that I'm, I'm currently in um, due to making the move down here. Yeah, that's cool, Josh. I appreciate you sharing your story. Um, now that we think about it, Walker, I remember Nick Chaplow telling us about how while he was yeah. in school, he's one of our friends, Josh, from the podcast. I think it was episode two. Um, but Nick told us about how while he was in school, he was doing a handyman service and figuring that out in college. And I guess his brain's kind of like your brother's in the sense that it's wired mechanically. And um, I would say I am inclined to do that, but it, I still takes me a little bit. You know, I'm just not the natural instinct to get in there and figure it out, but I like to. Um, but anyway, I just thought that was cool. What, what was it like running a handyman service? I'm sure, especially with your brother, a bit cool thing to be doing it with your brother, but also being on the administrative side. What are some of the things that you kind of learned while y'all were doing that together? Yeah, I mean, I, I felt like I got a lifetime of like hard knock type training, you know, really jammed in uh, to those four years. And and, yeah. and really, it was um, my identity was tied to it in, in that time period, because I, I had said, all right, I'm, I'm done with this military thing, which I had been on the path to do that for many, many years. Um, and, and so when I finally checked that box, and I was like, what's next? You know, I really wanted to, to get into some kind of business and, um, you know, step into that world. And, and it just seemed like a perfect opportunity. Um, again, to, to pair those skill sets. And I mean, it was it was super humbling. There were so many um, gut check moments. Like, f- for example, the, the very first thing, because if you start at the beginning and work your way through, there's there's so yeah. many and the problems or the, the the learning lessons just get bigger and harder, the better you get. Um, so, for instance, you know, the first couple of weeks on the job, um, you know, my brother had already had a, a couple of guys that were helping him out, you know, one uh, full-time guy working with him. And then a couple guys who were, you know, st- college kids and maybe on a break or a little part-time between classes here or there. So, you know, he wasn't operating solo at that time, but then, uh, you know, when I came on to join him, like one of the first things that happened was we were doing uh, some like mold remediation in the attic. So we had, you know, a couple of guys, that, the main clientele that we serviced were uh, condominium complexes. Right. So our main book cool. of business were these managers that would provide services to these big communities all over the greater Seattle area. And um, one of the first things that happened was they were they were spraying this product in the attics, which is like a bleach based product. And, uh, you know, of course, when we're just a you know, bunch of uh, kids, garage band style, 
you know, we're not thinking about like prepping a job site, protecting expensive furniture, you know, a, a lot of those things that as you become more professional, uh, you, you have those things implemented. So, uh, you know, one of the jobs to get into the attic, there was this really nice, you know, $2,000 leather chair mm. right underneath the opening. And of course, the, you know, the nozzle of, of, of one of the guns kind of got depressed, sprayed bleach all over this chair and just ruined uh, it. <laughs> oh, no. So, oh, that so that's, you know, the first couple of weeks on the job and we only have a limited amount of cash that we've kind of come to the table with like, hey, we're going to use this. And it's funny when you think back, what you think is a lot of money to like, hey, this will get us started. And now that I'm thinking like, man, you know, you couldn't even pay any bills with that amount of cash these days. Yeah. So um, so you're, you're, you're looking hard at it. Like, how do what do we do? How do we resolve this? And ultimately, you know, if you, you write that check uh, to the client and just get the, the situation solved. Mm-hmm. to keep relationships good with the people you're doing business Man. with, that's a lot, that's worth a lot more than that $2,000 share. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of the first yeah. thing that comes to mind. But I mean, there's many of those moments where we're like, guys, what are we doing here? You know, stumbling right. our way through the the, the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, how did this, uh, you know, you start off inexperienced, like with everything, Davis and I, you know, we're fairly new to our careers. Um, I'm newer than he is, but then, you know, you started with, I don't know anything at all. I thought I did. I graduated. I was like, Oh, I have this degree. It says, I know things that you get out there in the real world and you don't, you know, and you have people that have been doing it for longer than you've been alive. But for you, you know, typically in those companies, you have, you have guys that are a lot more experienced than you. They can kind of teach you, they can kind of guide you, but for you, you're on your own. You started this, you know, y'all have this company. You don't have any anybody above you you know you don't have a boss who's telling you hey this is what i would do in this situation this is how i would approach it you know how did y'all handle that just inexperience but also having to learn having to run a company as if you were experienced but then learning these lessons you know as you grow in these four years you know what was that like yeah well i would say um a, you know, there's maybe I, if you measured the amount of success, maybe there'd be people who have a di- give me a different report card when it was all said and done, right? Who would say, "Oh, you guys figured some things out and did a great job," or you know, other people who are like, "Well, that was not impressive whatsoever." So, uh, you know, I'll leave that up to the to the to the judges uh, wherever they're sitting at. But um, a, I think that, and I think that was a limiting a limiting factor of our growth and of our knowledge. Um, was not finding all of the places or being humble enough to go, hey, there's a lot we don't know about this. Mm -hmm. Let's continue to learn. Let's expand. Um, And and I think the times that we did grow and we were experiencing like a a lot of success or, or, or felt like things were course correcting was when we, when we got guidance from like, guys who'd been in business before. Right. And so funny enough, our CPA, it turned out he wasn't like your average CPA, just accountant guy. You know, he had ran businesses before he had, he had um, started up a bank and hired hundreds of people. He ran a a CPA firm that had hundreds of CPAs working for him. And then this was just kind of his retirement gig to just do some people's taxes here and there. So it was like, yeah, it was like once or uh, like, two or more times a year where we'd sit down with him and we'd always get this like sage advice. You know, we're like, Steve, how do we grow this company? You know? And he would say, well, you know, guys I've dealt with before, they had said the easiest way to grow is if you buy other businesses. And if you're not in a position to buy other businesses, well, you need excess capacity. So like that was something that really resounded with us for a while is that, Hey, if we're a small lean little company trying to grow, 
you still have to have a little bit of extra capacity on the bench, right? So if we're keeping three guys busy, well, we need to hire a fourth guy and and maybe he's not busy all week long or, you know, but then as we grow into the business, as we bring on more clients, we have the capacity to fill that, that new amount of demand. So, you know, there was moments like that, or we had um, a, a great lawyer who got us set up with, you know, some of the necessary documents where, you know, you're, when you're operating on a handshake for the first couple of years, mm. and then you get burned a couple of times, you realize, yeah. okay, that's, that's not going to work at all. And, you know, there's just people who do these sorts of things. And, and, and by the end of it, I'd say in the last year or so, um, we had connected with like a family friend, a guy who was at our jujitsu gym, again, a very successful businessman in the consulting world who started to pour into us a little bit and give us a little bit of guidance here and there, divvy up responsibilities. So again, I felt like if we had more time on the clock, we could have continued to, to build and grow. Um, you know, by the end of it, we were, there was maybe about 10 of us working and we had a, a full-time bookkeeper, you know, doing ad- administrative work and, you awesome. know, definitely servicing a lot of jobs, processing a lot of jobs, but, uh, uh, don't felt, don't feel like I had it figured out by the end of it, uh, which is really good heading into this new job because it, it, it was humbling and, and to go into this next job and go, okay, we stagnated, we plateaued at a certain point. So now I've got to, I've got to make sure to continue to learn, continue to look for resources, how to be a better salesman. Otherwise the same thing is going to happen where we're going to find a, you know, some moderate level of success, but then plateau and just linger in, in, a, in a, a realm of complacency. That's good. That's good. Josh, t- today I was uh, listening to a podcast and Walker's going to laugh, but it was with John Maxwell and Andy Stanley. Cause I, I mentioned John Maxwell literally like, I think one, one every two podcasts, but John was talking about, you know, the people that are really great, they don't just learn from their, 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 their failures. They also learn from their successes. So he talked about there was a really good football coach, and I have to think it was Nick Saban. I don't know who it was, but he talked about most people don't even analyze their successes because they won, right? That's not something you want to look back on. Okay, we won. We'll go to the next week. But um, he uses the example of like a busting coverage for a DB that, you know, a, a receiver had a, a opportunity to score and he over the quarterback overthrew it. Well, most people probably write that off. That goes to next week, but the good teams are going to come back to that play. Hey, you see this DB on this play, he busted right here. This coverage wasn't working out right. Um, and so when I think about that, you talked about learning from your successes and learning from your failures. It's really cool because, a lot of people don't even want to learn from their failures, if we're being honest. But to do that and do both sides, I mean, that speaks to, to who you guys were. I think that's really awesome. And then the other thing that kind of struck my heart there was um, actually today I posted something on LinkedIn and it talked about um, just how there's that old generation, new generation, and how that that gap usually is. So usually um, if you're, you're a young guy and you're asking an old guy a question or he's asking you a question. You say, I don't know. Well, most of the times he, what he throws you to the side. I don't have time to deal with someone that doesn't know. But if you say, I don't know, but can you teach me? Can you show me how to do that? Do you have the humility to go, man, I don't know. And I know that I don't know, but I know that you're the, you're the expert. I want you to show me how to do it. And I've learned just for myself in the two years that I've been full-time, um, being one to do that in the trades, especially in construction, like your, your, your knowledge just shoots up because you're willing to be humble. So and people like talking about what they know. I mean, they want to teach if you ask them for it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'd say, man, man a, a couple of uh, sayings come to mind there. Like um, to, uh, to your first point, Davis, 
uh, a guy that I was a big, big fan of, you know, drink the Kool-Aid of a guy named Jocko Willink. Does that oh, yeah. name ring a bell? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Everybody. Okay, perfect. Um, and and I in, in one of his talks, he had talked about basically being able to learn a lesson without paying the price, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the example being that, um, you know, you can make a, a mistake in warfare. This is according to this guy, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not a, not a combat warrior or anything like that, but you know, according to him, you could make a mistake. There was times where guys would make a mistake, you know, you almost get your head blown off, but you mm-hmm. don't. So you can still learn the lesson, but you didn't have to pay the price. Mm-hmm. And right. so there was, there, there's a certain degree of feeling like that where, you know, looking back on our time in, in business together, again, you know, lots of things went well from my assessment and then there's lots of learning lessons. Uh, but you know, Hey, we weren't, we're not homeless. We didn't go bankrupt. We didn't, mm. you know, lo- good. soil our reputation. You know, there, mm. we were able to leave it on a positive note. Um, and so to, to your point, Davis, like we were able to learn the lesson without having to pay any heavy price of making, you know, some mistake that was so drastic that it, it set us back and we were unemployable or, you know, in jail or, you know, so right. th- th- there's crazier things that could happen. So I'm, I'm definitely, um, you know, grateful for the, for those years and to feel like, Hey, we, we learned a lot of lessons and we didn't, you know, have to pay any kind of heavy price of admission. Yeah. So Josh, you, you know, you went through this awesome learning journey, which I think for companies too, who have hired people who have done their own sort of company, it kind of gives, gives you a a level up because you've been, you've been in, in the trenches, you've seen kind of every side of it. And now you get to come to a new company with all this experience that most people in, in it don't have, you know, so talk a little bit about how you, you go from Seattle, you had this company, you know, I don't know if y'all sold it or if you just, you know, Whatever, whatever you did to it, but you, you get rid of this company and you want to move down to, to Nashville and start a new job at Pella. Talk about that transition, you know, what led to it, if you're comfortable with that, uh, and then just kind of this new stage of life working for Pella Windows, having to do sales a little bit different than what you were doing, uh, and then any, anything else you want to add? Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, and also well, wide open book here. So happy to, happy to share uh, any and everything. Um, and so basically that the, the decision to bounce out of Seattle was a personal decision that drove a business decision. So, um, you know, without getting crazy political or whatever, because that's not the point of this podcast. Uh, but you know, the city we grew up in, it was hard to recognize by the time I turned around and I'm, you know, we're starting to get into our mid late twenties, whatever, and trying to be small, you know, business operators. And it, it, it turned into a challenging environment and, um, you know, the, everyone knows the world turned upside down in 2020. So, yeah. um, but funny enough, even with, you know, a lot of businesses being stopped, you know, we had people in fitness or the restaurant industry or all of these mm-hmm. things where they literally couldn't go to work in our region. Um, we decided to continue going to work. We were like, Hey, people need to have their drywall fixed. People need to have their roof fixed X, Y, mm-hmm. you know, fences put up all this stuff. And so we deemed ourselves essential. And, uh, you know, I think later on the government agreed with us, I guess. Um, but so we, we continued to work throughout and, and we actually made it through 2020, uh, you know, intact and um, continue to grow, continue to bring on more folks. And, um, and, and through 2021 in a similar fashion. Um, but again, when you're just a square peg in a round hole and you're, you're in an area that just doesn't quite fit you know, your belief system or a lot of these things, it, it, it can get old pretty quick. And so yeah. it was really that personal decision of like, hey, we want to explore greener pastures. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, as much as it was like a piece of my flesh, 
we have to give up this thing if we want to leave. Right. Yeah, and so, that was hard. Um, because we were wanting to make that move pretty quickly. Like we're, hey, we were ready. Like, Hey, we're ready to push the button and get out of here. Um, we didn't give ourselves a runway to make any kind of transition to, you know, you know, kind of continue to put in the systems in place that it would, would be required to sell a business or to give kind of a proper notice to it. A, a lot of things would have had to come together in that way. So what we ultimately decided was like, hey, we'd be better off if we just shut down operations and just sell off all the assets, you know, sell off all the vans, the equipments, you know, kind of close out all the accounts right. and just call it a day. Um, so that was ultimately the decision that we made. And throughout that process, you know, I think both of us had this, um, a little bit of an idealistic idea of what it looks like afterwards. We're like, cool, you know, we'll have a little bit of cash in our pocket. We'll yeah. ride off into the sunset. Like I'm, I'm looking at my wife thinking, you know, uh, maybe I'll just wait tables for a bit, kind of find myself. And she's like, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> You know, she's like, you got to get a real job and, and you have to get a job before we move someone. Yeah. So that was kind of the deal where I'm, I'm thinking like, hey, we have plenty of savings. Like there, there's no sweat. Like, let's make the move and we'll figure it out. Not happening. <laughs> um, and so throughout the course of selling off our vans and equipment and all that mm -hmm. stuff, one of our Sherwin, uh, he wasn't a Sherwin Williams rep at the time, but a guy who had been a rep for uh, Sherwin Williams came by and bought a ton of stuff from us. Like we did these fire garage sales over and oh, over. Nice. And, cool. uh, and my guy, Luke, if he ever ends up listening to this, uh, stopped <laughs> by uh, or excuse me, no, it's Travis bank, Travis bank. Sorry. Luke was our next Sherwin rep. So Travis stopped by and, and as he was like, Hey, what are you planning on doing? He had left Sherwin and was working at Pella up in Seattle at the time. Oh, nice. He's That's like, cool. Hey man, well, if you know, if you're looking for a gig, like it, it, it could be a good fit, that whole thing. And so it was really that connection. So as I threw this big wide net of what do I want to do next? I'm doing the thing you guys are probably pretty familiar with. If you're recently, you know, taking on new gigs, you know, sending the resume out everywhere, calling all kinds of people looking for opportunities. And, uh, you know, Pella was responded. They have, uh, it's a great combination of like a, a family feel because it's mm -hmm. a locally owned franchise but it's got a, the power of a national brand. Um, and so, you know, their, their HR lady, Lisa Gilder, uh, who was part of like my onboarding process was super awesome. So I was like, well, if she is any indication of what the rest of this team is like, um, yeah. you know, I think I could enjoy my time here. And so that was ultimately the transition. It was just like, well, you know, let, let's give it a shot. And um, they were, they were willing to you know make a quick hire and I wanted to make a quick move. And so, and, and funny enough, I think it, I, I went into it with the mindset of like, Hey, who knows? This is going to be maybe just a transition gig. But you know, the minute I showed up and you know met the rest of the team and started digging my my hands into the work, I'm like, hey, I could see myself doing this for a while. So it, it was really a lucky, I think, a lucky roll of the dice that it's turned out to be a pretty a pretty great operation and lots of opportunity to grow. You know, just as like a frontline sales guy. That's cool. I mean, I I put myself in your shoes of thinking like, you know, growing up and being in a city that your whole life and then all of a sudden it's changed it'd be hard right like you know my family i'm from birmingham alabama so is walker and if i were still there and something just changed i would probably want to move too you know it's just where life takes you i know it's ups and downs but i try to put myself there and walk in people's shoes that seems like it'd be some difficult but it's made you who you are today right it's forced you to go and and grow and um you know just kind of pivoting here and talking about this new role of being a sales rep for pella and you know, some of the things I wrote down, I was like, you know, what is the giving 
getting quote process like? Do, like, I know you're interacting with the client. That's mostly the, the, the general contractor for these homes. What has that been like? Is it Was there a process of, hey, once you start this job, this is what kind of what we look for. These are systems you use. What has that been like, that transition? Yeah, so I've really enjoyed, you know, the, the sales process. And, cool. and I think it, um, it kind of um, was the, the reason I wanted to go into like a full-blown sales gig right after the deal we had done was because when I looked back and I said, what did I enjoy most about what we did? And it was the, hey, bringing on new clients, acquiring mm-hmm. businesses, you know, selling the project. I wasn't, you know, like the operational stuff, but getting the project done again, that was where my brother's expertise came into play. Um, so, you know, heading into this gig, I started diving deep into like sales specific material um, to just put myself in a position to be a good, you know, a good service provider, because that's ultimately what we are. Um, and so I, I guess it's it's relatively simple, like it's a, it's a big, well-known brand. So, you know, either someone's coming to us looking for product or I'm coming to you looking to sell you product, right? Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, kind of the general process um, is as a, as a new guy, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of a sink or swim in, in a way. They're, they, they, it's not like you come on, and maybe in some industries or, or positions, you know, you might come on and they say, hey, here's a, put, a book of business, you know, kind of grow that, manage it. It's like, here's a list of, you know, uh, 700 builders in middle Tennessee, oh, geez. you know, do, do whatever you want, because if you do nothing like, you know, then you're not going to start making any sales, but if you would like to grow your pipeline, you know, have at it, like it's all yours. And I went, I went maniac level. Like I was, you know, I was at this, we have a showroom and it's not required to show up. Like now, now I kind of work from home uh, mm-hmm. for other reasons. We just brought home a baby. So oh, congrats. Uh, congratulations. Yeah, that's appreciate awesome. It, fellas. Yeah. So, so that's kind of made me shift to working from home, but it was like 10 straight months of like, I'm at this showroom, you know, every single day before anyone gets there after everyone leaves. And I'm just on the phones all day, just, you know, any list of contractors making, you know, hundreds or thousands of calls a week, um, until I start to get the conversation going, right? Yeah. Because then it's like, oh, okay, well, what do you, you know, what do you have to provide other than the product? And then, and then that's where you can get into, hey, you know, I have some trade experience. I, I can, you know, have some project management experience and, you know, I can be a benefit and a resource to your company if, if we connect. So it's just trying to, just trying to turn that corner from that first phone call. It's like, yep. Who's this telemarketer calling me, right? And and then and then the the more you get in, and then once you do that first project, and and people realize like, oh, this guy's a resource, and you know, as challenging as the supply chain world is right now, who do you who do you want mm. to work with? You know, there's a lot of place. You know, I mean, universally, you might run into tough moments here or there. So it's like, do you want to be working with a guy who you can't get a hold of, or someone who's responsive and communicating and giving you updates? So. Um, yeah, I mean that, that really the system was like, you know, here's a lap, here's a, a company laptop and a company phone, uh, secret Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> Throw you in the fire. Yeah. Yeah. So just have at it. So yeah, that's kind of, that's, that was kind of a start. Thank you guys so much for listening to our podcast today. We cannot tell you how thankful we are for every single one of our listeners. And we genuinely want to know and learn about you a little bit more. So if you're interested, uh, maybe sending us a question or just saying, hey, or wanted to talk to us a little bit, please reach out to us at contact at laying-foundations.com. 
if you need if you didn't hear that didn't understand it you can go in our show notes and just click on the link and write us an email please we would absolutely love to hear from you seriously me and davis get excited every single time we get an email from one of our listeners it it, it genuinely makes our day but if you want to find out a little bit more about us uh via social media davis is going to tell you a little bit how to do that yeah thanks walker guys like walker said Reach out to us any way you can. We appreciate feedback, whether you like it or not. You know, it helps us grow in any way. We're welcome. We're, we're here to listen. And whenever you guys tell us, we're going to try to implement that into our strategy. But how to get in contact with us on social media. We have a LinkedIn account called the Lang Foundations Podcast. We have uh, Walker, Walker Lott's LinkedIn profile. We have Davis Hambrick LinkedIn profile. We have a TikTok page called Lang.Foundations. We have an Instagram page, Lang foundations and then you know that's where we're at these are all down in the in the show notes but guys we just want to put this out there and however you want to get in contact with us we're, we're, we're imploring you please just reach out to us we'll respond we'll get back to you and we want to hear from you that, that you're the reason one of the reasons why we're doing this we want to hear from you we want to hear feedback how can we grow and how can we get better because like we said before um receiving accountability and receiving feedback is one of our core values and that defines walker and i at our core we want to hear your feedback and we want to be, be held accountable